0: Well, brethren, good evening. The hymn that you have just sung is one of over 650 hymns written by the daughter of a Swedish pastor, a Swedish Lutheran. The hymn writer is Caroline Sandel Berg. She was born October 3rd, of 1832 and died in 1903 a swedish poet and prolific swedish hymn writer at age 26 caroline was crossing lake vattern with her dad when the boat suddenly rolled to one side Her father went overboard and drowned in her presence. Later, her only child died at birth. And in the language of the writer of a volume that has been helpful to me over the years, the volume Singing with Understanding, written by Kenneth Osbeck. He wrote, and I quote, Although she had written hymns prior to this tragic experience, more songs began to flow out of her broken heart, which reflect a simple childlike trust. In Christ, and a deep sense of his abiding presence in her life. A gifted musician by the name of Oscar Unfelt said of her, or she said of him, I should say, Unfelt has sung my song. Into the hearts of the people. Well, tonight, in that second stanza, you sang these words As thy days, thy strength shall be in measure. This the pledge to me he made. Now, those words come from our text tonight, Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 25. And I would add, before beginning to treat of that text, that Charles Spurgeon preached the message entitled, Shoes of Iron that refers to Deuteronomy 33, 33, verse 25a, and strength sufficient, verse 25b, and subtitled, A New Year's Promise. Well, tonight, if under the blessing and by the grace of God I can do my job, I hope you will see the suitability, the fitness of Spurgeon's subtitle, A New Year's Promise. Now, I'm not sure that you have the outline. I have mine in front of me, and I'm going to try to follow it somewhat methodically. Beginning tonight with the location, that is the context, of Deuteronomy 33 at verse 25. Briefly put, and I can shrink the comments I had here, I did not know that Deuteronomy 32 was going to be the Old Testament reading tonight. But the providence of God allows me to shrink some comments that actually would have incorporated that 32nd chapter. More specifically, as to the location of our text, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be, it is found in Moses' blessing upon the tribe of Asher. And going beyond the comments that I would have made on the previous chapter, the blessing begins, noting in your Bibles in chapter 33, with a statement, verses 2 through 5, of God's revelation of himself through Moses. And he said, the Lord came from Sinai. And dawned on them at Mount Seir and shone forth from Mount Paran. Those are equivalent designations to what we more commonly know as Mount Sinai. And he came from the midst of 10,000 holy ones at his right hand. There was flashing lightning for them. Indeed, he loves the people. All thy holy ones are in thy hand. And they followed in thy steps. Everyone receives of thy words. Moses charged us with a law, a possession for the assembly of Jacob. And he was king in Jeshurun, that is, the righteous nation. When the heads of the people were gathered, the tribes of Israel together. Now what follows in summary, verses 6 through 25 is the record of the blessings upon the tribes, blessings spoken by Moses, and the order essentially follows the order of the sons of Leah, of Rachel, and then of their handmaids, Zilpah and Bilhah, the last of the tribes named is the tribe of Asher. The chapter concludes, verses 26 through 29, with praise to God and reminders of how blessed Israel is to be God's chosen people. Well, again, our concern is the blessing pronounced upon Asher, the son of Zilpah, Leah's maid. Follow it, verse 24 of chapter 33. And of Asher, he said, more blessed, and I add parenthetically, the word blessed is essentially an exposition of what Asher means. And of Asher, he said, more blessed than sons, that is, of Jacob is Asher as the German commentator and interpreter uh, Kyle writes, this opening is equivalent to the most blessed of all the sons of Israel. Again verse 24 may he be favored by his brothers that is Asher especially regarded, especially esteemed by his brothers. And may he dip his foot in oil, a reference to the olive oil produced by the abundant olive trees growing in the very fertile land apportioned to this tribe. And to this prosperity and blessing, Is added further the blessing of security. Your locks shall be iron and bronze. That is a reference to the doors of Asher's fortifications, conveying security from enemies in view of its. Territory along the northeastern coast of the Mediterranean Sea being a route by which invaders sought to enter Israel. Your locks shall be iron and bronze. And to the blessing of prosperity and security is added this one. And in the language of another interpreter on Deuteronomy, the blessing of the strength to live life to its fullest throughout the lifespan granted it. Note how verse 25 concludes. Most of your English renderings read something like this. And as your days, so shall your strength be. Now I said most English renderings are translated something like that. The authorized as thy days, so shall thy strength be. The ESV, it has your days, so shall your strength be. The NIV and your strength equal to your days. Over the many years, I preached primarily from the NAS and will continue to do so. The NAS interestingly reads this way. And according to your days, so shall your leisurely walk be. The NAS translation, over against the majority of other English translations common to us, seems to reflect a measure of uncertainty as to the exact meaning of the Hebrew used only here in our Old Testaments. And it thus raises the question, are we to understand this final blessing of verse 25 in terms of leisure or perhaps rest or strength? Now I'll say up front, I'm convinced strength is the right understanding. But how does one credibly decide the answer to that question? Well, I'm going to try to hurriedly answer that. How does one decide the exact meaning of such an attractive promise? Well, number one, we begin by considering the Hebrew. And certainly with the help of credible interpreters, two of which referring to the use of the term in, and I hope this doesn't put you out, Ugaritic text. Those were texts discovered in 1928 at the ancient site of Ugarit. Ugaritic is a language closely related to Hebrew, and the study of it provides a wealth of information that helps elucidate Old Testament text. Well, to shrink this down, the Ugaritic text points in the direction of strength. I would further add, with regard to looking into the Hebrew, one of the volumes that over my time in the ministry was quite helpful in Hebrew studies was Wilson's Old Testament Word Studies. And he considered 40 Hebrew terms related to the question that I have offered. And he writes, and I quote, Most ancient versions and interpreters render this word, which occurs only once, by strength. Others by old age, I can't say I've seen that, wealth, or rest. I see not that we are called to depart from the ancient interpretation that is given to this verse, the force of a most gracious promise of strength according to the season of trial that is of duty. So Wilson is pointing decidedly in the understanding of strength measured out according to our days. Now I'm able to interact with the next part of constructing my answer a little bit better. How did the Septuagint translators handle the last part of of Deuteronomy 33, verse 25? Well, the answer in short is they employed in their translation into Greek of the Hebrew Old Testament, they employed a common Greek term that simply meant strength or might or ability. The same term that you might find in such a text in our New Testaments as Ephesians 1.19, the surpassing greatness of his power. Or in Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Might, and in Philippians four thirteen, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Where I put the emphasis, the Septuagint translators have used the underlying Greek to translate Deuteronomy thirty three twenty five b, plainly understanding the promise in terms of measured strength. Well, one final consideration is this, the analogy of Scripture. And what I mean is this. Do other passages allow a given sense, in this case, the sense of strength, or does a particular sense create a novel doctrine Well, the analogy of Scripture clearly permits our understanding in terms of strength, and this further renders Deuteronomy 33, verse 25b as a normative, timeless promise. That is, a promise that transcends... What Moses spoke to the tribe of Asher. Reading from Psalm twenty nine eleven, the Lord will give strength to His people. Reading from Psalm sixty eight verse thirty five, the God of Israel Himself. Give strength and power to the people. Blessed be God. In Isaiah 40, at verse 29, he gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. The prophet Habakkuk. The Lord God is my strength. We turn to the New Testament. Again, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The text we heard this morning preached by pastors of Astio, 2 Corinthians 12.9. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for power is perfected in weakness. In view of these considerations that have been briefly, and I hope with a, at least a bit of clarity, set out, this is where it leads my understanding. Deuteronomy thirty-three twenty-five, is to be understood as strength. And we are going to move forward with how the King James thus translates. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. Strength in proportion to need, strength equal to whatever has been ordered into our day. Matthew Henry writes, and I excerpt, The day is often in Scripture put for the events of the day. And taking it so here, it is a promise that God would graciously support them under their trials and troubles, whatever they were. God will wisely proportion their graces and comforts to the services and sufferings he calls them to. Have they work appointed them? They shall have strength to do it. Have they burdens appointed them? They shall have strength to bear them and never to be tempted above what they are able, that is, the strength to resist. Faithful is he that is thus promised, that is thus promised is proportion, faithful strength for each single day. Faithful is he that is thus promised, and hath caused us to hope in this promise. Now, brethren, we take up now four lessons that arise from what has been set out. Four lessons that we take from what I am seeking to assert is a timeless, normative promise And as thy days, the sort of days, the length of days, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. What can we learn from that promise? Number one, we can learn this. Each of us must live one day at a time. Well, that's being a student of the obvious. But we often don't think that way. Our worry betrays what seems so obvious. But the lesson is, each of us must live one day at a time. Yes, an obvious truth, but the vain labor of anxiety whereby we mentally and emotionally try to live days that God has not yet given, speaks to our folly. Jesus said in Matthew 6, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day, the single day that God has granted, each day has enough trouble of its own. I can only address each present day, applying wisdom and energy and God-given strength to the day God has given. Granted, there must be prudent, farsighted planning and preparation for the tomorrows that God may grant, and that's different than anxiety. but we can only engage the present day. The present day of life God gives. Proverbs 27.1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. This morning as Pastor Savastio was preaching, He preached that promise, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, that one of the greatest New Testament linguists, perhaps whoever lived, who lived in this city, A.T. Robertson, he called that promise a promise of abiding validity. He has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. I'll simply say it this way, there's a linguistic chain links between that promise and Matthew 6:34 that could just as well read each day has sufficient trouble of its own both they come out of the same word group one is a verb 2 Corinthians 12:9 the other is an adjective Matthew 6:34 You put them together, and it's almost like a theme for each day we live. Enough trouble, enough grace. That's pretty much synonymous with Deuteronomy 33, 25. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. Enough trouble, enough grace. Well, the first truth that arises from the promise of sufficient strength. Each of us must live one day at a time. Second truth, each day brings its own peculiar demands. Days vary in their nature. Days vary in the content of the circumstances and the events and duties and demands God has appointed in his sovereignty. Not all days are alike. There are some that we might call routine days. And there are other unusual days, days of special challenge. There are days of rest and leisure and their days of hard labor, days of ease and days of affliction, days of gladness and days of heart-rending sorrow, days of success and days of failure, days of youth, and where some of us are now, days of old age. Days of health. And where some of us are now, days of sickness. Days of loneliness and days of family and companions. Days of riches, days of poverty, variety, difference, vicissitudes. Mark our days. It is as Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. Righteous men. Wise men in their deeds are in the hand of God. Man does not know whether it will be love or hatred. Anything awaits him. As James said, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. Again the second lesson, each day brings its own peculiar demands but that should not undo us. What's the promise? As thy days, so shall thy strength be. Or it's New Testament equivalent preached this morning, my grace is sufficient for you. Third lesson Similar to the second, the promise is for sufficient strength as varied and as long as our days. As thy days in kind, in nature, in circumstances, in variety, so shall thy strength be. Strength for work. And strength for trial, and strength for temptation, and strength for sorrow, and for sickness, and for the last great change, for death. Strength for service, strength for suffering. As Spurgeon preached in this. Message subtitled "A New Year's Promise." Our days vary. our trials change. Our service varies too. Our lives are far from being monotonous. They are musical with many notes and tones. A mosaic of many colors. The strength that God gives varies with the occasion. He gives strength just where strength is needed and of that peculiar kind which the occasion demands, the strength of wisdom when perplexed, the strength of hope when near despair, the strength of encouragement when despondent, peculiar kind of strength which the occasion demands. As thy days in kind, in nature, in circumstance, so shall thy strength be. As thy days in number, so shall thy strength be. As long as we are given days, we shall be given enablement to do what God requires of us. Remember, God has ordained our days. As the psalmist tells us, when is yet? There was not one of them. God has ordained our days, and his grace shall be sufficient for each one of them. However, few or many, Again, Spurgeon preached, not for today only, but for tomorrow and for every day as every day shall come, the longest and the shortest, the brightest and the darkest day, the wedding day and the funeral day shall have its strength measured out. Till there shall be no more days. The Lord will portion out to his saints their support, even as their days follow each other. A fourth lesson is this the promise of sufficient strength is as certain, as sure as the day. In the book, Uncle Tom's Cabin, the words come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, are spoken to a slave, weary and worn from toil in the sun. And the slave responded, them's good words, but who says them? the reliability, the credibility of words depends on the answer to that slave's question. And so it is here with our promise in Deuteronomy thirty-three twenty-five: 25, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. We can take our place along with that slave and ask, who says them?" The answer to who says him includes the following. One who loved us in Christ before our days, Ephesians 1, 3 through 5. One who sovereignly determined our days, Psalm 139. One who has appointed the times and events of our days. Ecclesiastes 3.1. One who changes not with our days. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. James writes of the Father of Lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. That's an answer to the question, who says him? Who says him? One who has all grace and power, from which we can draw throughout our days. Again, Psalm twenty-nine, eleven: the Lord will give strength to his people. And it's Psalm 3739, he is their strength in time of trouble. And Psalm 43, 2, for thou art the God of my strength. That's who says them. The one who said again, My grace. That upholding, sustaining, strengthening grace is sufficient for you. That's who says it. The one who gives strength through the conduit of union with Christ. I can do all things through him, in union with him who strengthens me. Apart from me, he said, you can do nothing. Paul wrote to Timothy, I thank the Lord Jesus who has strengthened me. Each of us must live one day at a time. Each day brings its own peculiar demands The blessing or the promise is for sufficient strength answering to the variety of of our days and the length of them. And the blessing or promise of sufficient strength is as certain, as rock solid as the day. Finally, living in the light of this New Year's promise, to use Spurgeon's subtitle, Our response, first, we should recognize and confess our native weakness and inadequacy. That's inferred by the promise. Again, Spurgeon, self-weakness, which is implied in our text, we must first get a good, fair idea of the great depth, he preached, of our own weakness before we shall be able to behold the brightness of this rich and exceeding precious promise. We must come to grips with who we really are, really are. not tough guy, strong guy, invincible guy, but weak man. A dying mortal. Secondly, our response, we should be moved to cultivate day by day communion with Christ. I can do all things through or in him who strengthens me. That's the language of the conduit Of union with Christ. We could conscript to that text. Hebrews 2.18 and Hebrews 4.16. Coming to the throne of grace. To find mercy and grace to help in time of need. You do that by faith and spirit wrought communion with the Savior. Our response can include, thirdly, to learn to pray as Nehemiah prayed. Nehemiah 6 at verse 9, O God, strengthen my hands. Our response can include, fourthly, praying for one another, as Paul did for the churches, for the Ephesians, Ephesians 3.16, praying that they'd be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Colossians 1.11, strengthened with all power for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience praying for one another, for our brothers and sisters, that they might be strengthened for their day. And then our response can include, I think I'm at number five, should include our gratefully raising, as Samuel did, our Ebenezer. Thus far, the Lord has helped. inventorying those times in the past, looking back retrospectively and marking out God's granting sufficient strength when we thought we were done. Gratitude. But looking ahead and based on his faithfulness, confidence for whatever may be ahead. Thus far infers there's another distance, more distance to go. Thus far the Lord has helped us. And finally in response to this new year's promise as thy days, so shall thy strength be. We can look to the future with all of its unknowns, its uncertainties, its sorrows, its discouragements, its challenges, its demands, not fearfully. With a dependent confidence, with composure, and a faith-wrought courage, as we look out on 2024, not a single one of us knows what's on tomorrow. You sang this morning, hymn 579, I quote from the second stanza. Be still, my souls. thy God doth undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Thy hope, thy confidence, let nothing shake. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. I conclude this evening with the words of Spurgeon's predecessor, a man not too well known, James Smith, who pastored at the New Park Street Chapel before Spurgeon arrived. Susanna attended upon his ministry. the marvelous devotional that James Smith wrote and his selection on our text, I excerpt these final words. No man can possibly tell what is before him, but our God knoweth, and he has promised his people strength, proportioned to their trials. We should not be anxious, for when the trial comes, the strength the strength comes too, is what he means. We've always found our God faithful. He always has given strength according to the day. And why should we now doubt that is on the eve, I add, of 2024? We may look forward and suppose the worst and then say, I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Let us believe that our strength will be equal to the burden, to our day. The promise is plain. It is positive. It is sure. And our God is faithful. As thy days, so shall thy strength Father, may you be pleased by the working of your spirit to send us, should you preserve us a few more hours, into the unknown of the new year. To do so with trust and confidence and hope and strong reliance upon your word. Father, help us day by day to go to the throne of grace deliberately, knowing our native weakness and our need, and to seek from our Savior grace and strength to help. And I pray in the name of our ministering intercessor, our reigning and living and returning Savior, through whom We can do all things you have called us to do. Amen.